We're looking at gospel jewels in Jeremiah, and we're not taking the whole book. We're just plucking uh, some well-known or other less well-known verses that have the gospel of Jesus Christ in them. And last Sunday morning, we were in this sixth chapter, and we looked at a very poignant verse, verse 14. Peace, peace, where there is no peace. Now, a little later in this chapter, we have these words, which, as you guess from the hymns and the children's story, we're going to consider briefly this morning. Verse 16, verse 16 of Jeremiah 6. Thus says the Lord, stand in the ways and see and ask for the old paths where the good way is and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. The old paths. In Jeremiah's day, the people, the nation of Judah, had lost its way. God sends the prophet Jeremiah to point them back to the right direction. And here, Jeremiah is acting as a signpost. That's what every person standing in a pulpit is doing. A signpost to tell us that we have gone the wrong way when it comes to the things of God and to point us back in the right direction. So three points this morning. The first is this. We've got to realize that we've got lost. There's something quite contemporary. Would you not agree about Jeremiah's description in this chapter of a people that had lost their way? I don't want to take too long here. But if you've got a Bible, look at some of the descriptions of society in Jeremiah's day and see if they ring true today. Verse 7, a very vivid picture of a city. As a fountain wells up with water, so Jerusalem wells up with her wickedness. All the moral filth just coming out, as it were. When you have floods, uh, it's not just the flood water, is it? It's the sewage as well. And it's like that spiritually in Jeremiah's day. The moral filth is just coming out of all the drains and overwhelming the city of Jerusalem. Isn't that a picture of Cardiff? And then uh, you have the materialism. The materialism. Verse 13, from the least of them, even to the greatest of them, everyone is given to covetousness. Covetousness is this desire of things. That's what life is all about, things. Isn't that true of our society? And then, the word of God, the word of God is just despised. Verse 10, they cannot give heed halfway down verse 10 behold the word of the lord is a reproach to them they have no delight in it the bible which is the word of the living god is trodden underfoot is it not in our day it's actually 
becoming illegal today in some quarters to say what God is saying in his word. Think back to a few hundred years ago when Mary Jones walked all the way from her home near Towin in Gwynedd to Bala just to have a Bible. And then, this is something I find very challenging and relevant. Verse 15, were they ashamed? Were they ashamed? And then, they did not know how to blush. A society that has lost its sense of shame. Do, do we have a sense of shame? When did you or I last blush? Because of something we've done wrong. There's uh, an apathy when it comes to doing what we want. And it's not just uh, the lowest uh, of the low that are guilty. Uh, as we mentioned last time, the priests, uh, the false prophets... From the least of them, verse 13, even to the greatest of them. And from the prophets, even to the priest, everyone deals falsely. This has gone right through society. Here is a society that hasn't just gone off track a bit, but it's gone completely out of the way. What about us? What about us? I can imagine in Jeremiah's day, the well-beaten path that had been followed for generations, that well-beaten path that had famous landmarks in order to keep people on the straight and narrow. And what had been happening in Jeremiah's day was this. These landmarks had been taken down and people didn't know where they were going and people were going astray and people were heading towards destruction because the enemy was at the gates and very soon the people would be carried into captivity and Jerusalem itself would be destroyed. Haven't we lost some of our familiar landmarks these last few decades? This is how uh, one person puts it. At some point, midway through the 20th century, Europeans and Americans discovered that they had lost all sense of direction. Formerly familiar markers along the way that had guided them for generations have now been removed. Who would have thought that we would have had an announcement as we've had today, a few generations ago? The things that are being taught our children. A generation ago, they would never have been allowed the psalmist says, if the foundation be removed, what shall the righteous do? So this is my first point. We've got to realize that we've lost our way. Have you seen that? In the words of Jesus Christ, when we're born into this world, we're already on the broad road the broad road, the fact that the majority of people are going down it, uh, the fact that we are standing, as it were, in a minority because we're saying these things like Jeremiah was in his day, that does not mean to say that the majority are in the rights, does it? 
And where did Jesus say the broad road was leading to? It was leading to destruction. The soul that sins, says God, shall die. There is no escape. Man is appointed and woman wants to die and after that the judgments. Realize you're lost. One of my favorite places to go preaching to is Daulais. There's a Pentecostal church there. And every Wednesday night, they used to have a ladies' meeting. I don't know if it's still going. And I used to love going up there to take their ladies' meeting. But this particular church was not on the main road in Dolice, but it, it was uh, in the middle of this housing estate. And I tried going up there once on my own without a guide. And for the life of me, I could not find the place. The, the, the streets were like a maze. I was lost. I was completely and utterly lost. What about us when it comes to life and our relationship to God? Aren't we lost in the immoral maze of this world? Aren't we lost in terms of our own seeking after God? We, we cannot find him, can we, in our own way. In many ways, that's what all the religions in the world are about. It's about mankind trying his best to find a way to God. And we, we've all failed, whether it's uh, some of the Eastern religions or whether it's nominal Christianity. There, there is no one that is seeking after God, says the Bible. And what we've got to do is simply realize that, that I'm a lost sinner. Can, can you say that this morning? Without Jesus Christ, I'm lost. And I can't find the way back to God. And if I remain on this path, I'm heading to eternal destruction. So that's the first point. Realize that you are lost. And then what does Jeremiah tell us to do? Well, what do you do when you eventually admit that you are lost? I think it's the most humbling thing, uh, especially if, like me, you have a degree in geography, to basically come to the place where you say, I'm lost. I need somebody else to give me the directions. This is what Jeremiah says. Stand in the ways and see. Realize that you're lost. You've gone the wrong way. And that if you continue in that direction, you're going further and further away from God and you're heading towards destruction. Realize that, he says. And then what do you do? This is my second point. Ask for directions. Stand in the ways and see and ask for the old paths where the good way is. Isn't that common sense? Ask for the right 
directions. And that is my job description as a preacher. As I said at the start, Jeremiah is called of God to be a signpost, to point people back in the right way. And that's all I am, a signpost. And I count it a great privilege to point you to the old paths. I said, I think, enough to the children and Mary Peckham sang about what that means. It does not mean uh, that we adopt certain practices. Uh, Many, many years ago, there was something called the Old Paths Campaign. And what these good people meant by that was a return just to old-fashioned things. Now, that is not what Jeremiah meant. That is not what we mean when we say that the gospel is going on the old paths. What we mean, of course, is as we've been singing this morning, as we've been hearing, the old, old story of Jesus and his love. I was lost, but Jesus found me, found the sheep that went astray. So let me quote another song. Give me some of that old time religion. What's the old path? What's the old fashioned ways? What's the old time religion? It's what we've got in this old book, the Bible. It's timeless, isn't it? It doesn't matter what language you read it in, as we heard in the children's talk. It doesn't matter how modern or old your English translation is. What is revealed here is timeless, truth, unchanged, unchanging, to bring us back to God. This is the map for lost sinners. I look at the map. What does the map tell me? The map tells me that I'm an old-fashioned sinner. There is nothing new about sin. People may put a new label to it, but sin in its essence is the same as it was in the days of Jeremiah. It's rebellion against God. It's putting our fist up to God. And we show that then in all sorts of different ways. But, my friends, we are old-fashioned sinners here this morning, just as people in Iran or in India or in France are in need of a saviour, so are we. And what does the Bible tell us? The Bible presents us an old-fashioned saviour. Don't you like that? Jesus Christ, the same today, yesterday, forever. Jesus Christ hasn't changed one iota. Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, born a man. Jesus Christ, a perfect human being. Why? Because he was doing it on your behalf. And this old-fashioned Saviour went to an old-fashioned cross. As another song puts it, 
the old rugged cross. And what happened there? Our sins, our old-fashioned sins, which are against an old-fashioned God, were put on an old-fashioned Savior, and he dealt with them once and for all. The cross never goes out of fashion. The power of the blood of Jesus Christ shed on the cross. And what's this Bible all about? Yes, it's about Jesus Christ and him crucified, but it's about old-fashioned grace. What's that? It's about God's gift being offered to you and me. The gift of this old-fashioned saviour, this old-fashioned salvation to you and me, old-fashioned sinners. And how do I accept it? How do I become a Christian? You become a Christian through old-fashioned faith. Faith has never gone out of fashion. What's old-fashioned faith? It's putting an empty hand out and accepting what Jesus Christ has done. And there's some old-fashioned praise then in the hearts. Thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul. Thank you, Jesus, for making me whole. I was lost. I was bound in sin. I was heading for hell. Then you came by your spirits and you opened my eyes and you gave me that living faith. You know, a lot that goes under the name of modern faith is just easy believism. It's not born of the spirits. Old-fashioned faith is realizing I am lost and undone. I can't do anything about it. And that God in Christ has provided the solution. And either you see it or you don't. Do you see it? Do you see it? Ask for directions. I don't know of any other directions. Let me quote the verse again we've heard so often. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, no one else, his own son, that whoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. Do you see it? Hear Jesus Christ say, I am the way, I am the way. No one comes to the Father but through me. He's saying, I am the bridge. I was cycling a few months ago over the old Seven Bridge. Have you ever been over the old Seven Bridge on a bike or walked over? If it's windy, it shakes. It's a suspension bridge. It shakes. Jesus Christ isn't like that. 
He's solid. He's a solid rock. When he says, I am the bridge that will take you to heaven, he doesn't shake. We shake. Don't you shake, even as a believer? Don't you shake when you see what your heart is still like? Don't you shake when you look around you at the state of society? Don't you shake when you see what has happened this last year with COVID and the uncertainty regarding the future? Don't you shake when you realize how many people have died in this last year? Don't you shake when you contemplate that one day you will have to die? Of course, we shake. But Jesus Christ is solid. Solid. So ask for directions. I remember uh, a year or so after starting here, somebody came into the vestry one Sunday evening and they asked me for directions. Do you know what they asked me? What must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? And the answer is gloriously simple. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you might be saved. No shaking. You shall. You shall be saved. Praise God. And then thirdly, you realize you're lost. You ask for the right directions. And then what do you do? What do you do? Stand in the ways and see. And ask for the old paths where the good way is. Isn't it a good way? And walk in it. Walk the old paths. So to use our analogy, we realize that we've got lost. We humble ourselves and ask somebody for the right way. And what do we do then? Do we just have that information in our minds and leave it there? Of course not. We're going to remain lost until we do something about it. And what is that doing something about it? It's putting ourselves in the right way. That's what repentance is. Uh, Chesterton, I think he put it very well, when you have lost your way quite hopelessly, the quickest thing is to go back along the road you know to the place from which you started. It's the only way out. It's the only way out. And that's what we call repentance. So if the people in Jeremiah's day had gone off the track, uh, this beaten track, this track that Jeremiah could trace right back to the beginning of Genesis when God first revealed the old, old story, that track which we can trace from Jeremiah's day into the Old Testament, Jesus in the Gospels, and then the apostles in the letters, and then further on in the early church, the same old, old story, and then right down into the Protestant Reformation in Europe, and then down through the times of the revivals here in Wales, and all the way down to our day. That's the beaten path. That's the old path. That's the old story. The people had gone away from it. 
And what do we do when we hear the right directions? We go back and we walk on it. To use a different analogy, taste and see that the Lord is gracious. Taste and see that the Lord is gracious. Do you appreciate food? Do, do, do you enjoy reading recipe books? Do you enjoy watching cooking programs? How much more to actually taste the food? I, I can tell you about my favorite desserts. It's banoffee pie. I can even tell you where it was invented. It wasn't in America, right? It was in Jevington, in Sussex, because there's a building there which has a signpost on it, and it says this is where the Banhoffy pie was invented. I can tell you that condensed milk is used to make it, as well as bananas and cream, and digestive biscuit base. I could give you all that information, and just going through that makes my mouth water. But taste, taste, that's different, isn't it? And it's like that with these old truths. They're grand. They're wonderful. But, but we must take them. We, we must eat them. That's how Jesus Christ described it once. He said, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood. He's talking about faith. Following him, walking with him. Have, have we walked these old paths? That's how a person who's a Christian is described sometimes. Somebody who's walking with the Lord. Are you walking with the Lord? How long have you walked with the Lord for? That's what Christianity is all about. When I walk with the Lord in the light of his word. And what's true of walking these old paths, of eating Jesus Christ, as it were? What's true of it? Walk in it, and then you will find rest for your souls. Isn't that true? Those of you who have tasted and seen that the Lord is gracious, can't you say, he satisfies my deepest longings. All that thrills my soul is Jesus he is more than life to me. And you know what? The more I taste of him, the more satisfied I become. It's not like that with food, is it? The more we taste of food, uh, sometimes the more sick we get. But not with the manna from heaven who is Jesus Christ. And the more we walk these old paths, the more glad we are that we've ever, ever been called to follow Jesus Christ. My, my time is running out. Let me give you a quotation from somebody who did walk these paths. Spurgeon. You know, Spurgeon had a difficult life. He, he had gout. Do you know what gout is? One of the most painful diseases known to man. Uh, horrible, horrible, horrible arthritic pain in his joints. He had severe depression, 
Spurgeon did. And this is what he said. I wish I had the tongue of the eloquence, the tongue of an angel, that I might worthily describe the rest which belongs to the people of God. Do not tell me there is no rest for us till we get to heaven. We who have believed in Jesus enter into rest even now. Why should we not do so? Our salvation is complete. The robe of righteousness in which we are clad, Christ's righteousness, is finished. The atonement for our sins, he's made peace, is full. We are reconciled to God. We are beloved of the Father. We are preserved by his grace and supplied by his providence with all what we need. Isn't it amazing? The rest we find in Jesus Christ to our souls. I don't know what kind of path you are walking through at this moment in following the Lord. I don't know what kind of path you are walking along if you're not a Christian. I don't know how things are with you. But this is what I'm trying to say. It may be a rough and a long and a lonesome path. But it doesn't matter because we have a companion in Christ and the rest we find in him refreshes us and enables us to go on. You know, the false prophet in Jeremiah's day, uh, like uh, the false preachers in our day, they were basically uh, telling the people, do, do, do. They were hitting them with a stick. And Jeremiah is saying, as Jesus the greater than Jeremiah said, come, 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 come to me. All who are weary. Is that you? And heavy laden. You're borne down with your sin and your sorrows and your failures. Come to me. And what will happen? And find rest to your souls. Rest to your souls. Isn't that lovely? There's a place you can go walking in the Y Valley and an uphill walk through these woods. And if you're carrying a pack, a heavy pack, when you reach the top, there's a bench. And somebody has inscribed these words on that bench. Rest. Rest. And be glad. Imagine a walker with sore feet, with shoulders that are in pain because of the heavy load, able to take off his rucksack and sit down on that bench, rest and be glad. My friends, that's a very faint picture of what it's like when we first come to Jesus Christ, burdened with our cares and our sin and our sorrows and our fears. And what do we do? We hear the old, old story of Jesus and his love. And we come to Jesus as we are. And we unburden ourselves on him 
and we find rest, don't we? Rest to our souls. Well, let me finish. In Jeremiah's day, the people were standing at the crossroads. They could carry on on the broad road, the wrong road, that will eventually lead to destruction. It will not give them rest. It will not. It might give them prosperity. It might give them success. It might give them all sorts of things, but it won't satisfy their deepest longings. Or they can turn and follow the old paths. It may look difficult. It may not be as straight as the broad path. There may be uphill bits. It may look as if it's winding. But you know what? That's the way. That's the way they are to go. Now, some of you will know what I'm going to tell you now as I come to a conclusion. Uh, If you go to the Mississippi Delta in North America, there's a famous place at one of the crossroads there. And there's a myth uh, about the crossroads there. Uh, Robert Johnson, one of the blues guitarists, apparently on the crossroads there, made a deal with the devil uh, to give him a gift of playing the guitar. He met the devil at the crossroads. What Jeremiah is telling us here is the opposite. At the crossroads, Jesus is standing. Jesus is standing and inviting us. And there is a Christian song which I think uses this analogy between the contrast between the devil on the one hand and Jesus on the other. And I'll finish with this. Maybe some of you know it. It says this. Is this true of you and me? I met Jesus at the crossroads where the two ways meet. Satan too, the devil, was standing there. And he said, come this way. Lots and lots of pleasure I will give you today. But I said, no. There's Jesus here. See what he offers me. Down here, my sins are forgiven. Up there, a home in heaven. Praise God. That's the way for me. Can you say that? I found Jesus there. Forgiveness down here. A home in heaven up there. Praise God. That's the way for me. May no one who has come in here this morning or no one who's listening at home remain lost. But may you come to Jesus Christ for his name's sake. Amen. Now, let us sing. We're not going to sing uh, that song. We're going to sing a great hymn which is all about what Jesus has done and will do. Guide me, O thou great Jehovah, pilgrim through this barren land. I am weak, but thou art mighty. Hold me with thy powerful hand.
Let us say the grace together. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.